Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our pain and grief to bear, and what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I really hope that you have been in prayer over the topic that we address week in and week out on this program, and that is preventing abortion and healing the hurt. So many people have been impacted. Really, there are some who say that our whole culture is post-abortive. And a lot that, that phrase, by the way, is going out of favor. And um, the language that is now being talked about is reproductive grief care, child loss due to abortion, and also talking about um, ab- abortion-wounded women and men. And with 63 million abortions since legalization in the 1970s, everyone knows someone who has had an abortion, and many of them are our loved ones, people that we're very close to, or maybe you as a listener have experienced this as I have. And so uh, my name is Kim Katola, and I'm your host, and I'm a pro-life writer and broadcaster, and I'm also a wife and a grandma and a friend and a sister and a follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think it's so interesting that when I fell into the trap of abortion a long time ago in my 20s, I, you know, I wasn't pro-life or pro-choice. I was ignorant. I had no idea. I'd never considered it. I'd never thought about it. I knew basic biology. I knew how pregnancies happened, but I had no idea what I would do if I got pregnant, even though I'd been sexually active for quite some time when I got pregnant at age 23. It's just... Uh, chance that it didn't happen before then. And I'm not proud to tell you that, but you may as well know the truth, right? In my mid-20s, I was not thinking about the morality of anything I was doing. I was maybe looking for love in all the wrong places. I was trying to make my way and um, I guess probably be accepted with peers. Everyone was doing it. Okay, so that's the backdrop And I don't think that the 22, 23, 21-year-old of today is really all that different. I don't think most of them have spent any time at all thinking about this issue that looms so large in my mind and perhaps in yours if you're listening to this program. And so one of the things that was so important to me in the aftermath of abortion, having been ignorant going into it, was, is it wrong? Is it a sin? Now, you might think that I had no moral grounding and no theological teaching or any 
uh, religious teaching whatsoever to ask such a basic question. And for those of you for whom the answer is plain and always has been plain, abortion is the intentional killing of an innocent human being. Therefore, it's morally wrong. You don't even have to be religious, right? But I'm telling you, I it was problem solving for me. I was very pragmatic about it. And when I asked if this pregnancy represented a life, I was told, no, it's just tissue. And they're still saying that. So there's no moral dilemma. It's just tissue. All right, I can solve my problem and move on with my life. Well, as soon as it was over, even maybe before immediately before the procedure began, I knew it was wrong. My heart, I mean, God's word says in Romans 1 that we all have a conscience, and that conscience is there to tell us what's right and wrong. That's why I get so aggravated with pro-choice religious leaders who will tell women, we have a, you know, we have moral agency. You, God gives us free will to make choices, as if all choices are morally equivalent. But that's maybe another conversation for a different day. But we do have a conscience, and it does teach us right from wrong. And the other thing I'll say is the law is a moral teacher, and that's not my idea. I'm, I can't quote you, the philosopher or wise person who said it, but it's true. It was legal. I didn't have to go to a back alley. I didn't have to seek out anything, you know, that, that was going to be illicit uh, in, in my times in the early uh, or late 1970s. So I thought since it's legal and people say it's not a baby, there's no problem here. But of course, as I said, afterwards, it was even harder to find the answer. Is it wrong and is it a sin? And I want to cover that question today because I had a conversation recently with someone who pressed me and pressed me and pressed me. Where in the Bible does it say that it's wrong to kill an unborn baby, to, to, to abort a pregnancy? Where in the Bible does it say that that's wrong? And of course, there are so many good answers to this question. If you sincerely want to know, um, I direct you to Scott Klusendorf's The Case for Life, because, um, you know, he points out rightly that, first of all, the Bible is not silent. And if you're a, a listener, a regular listener to this program, you know from the pastoral voices that we've heard that the Bible is full of opposition to abortion, and most certainly regards it as sinful from God's point of view. But also, silence, if the Bible were silent, silence does not equal consent. And the illustration I like to use on this is mom and dad say, okay, we'll be back on Monday, take care of the house, and, you know, have some fun with your friends, and no parties, bye. Okay, so what happens? Party happens. A keg, you know, the booze, whatever happens at a teenage party, and more people call more people, and it gets really out of hand, and things get destroyed in the home. And mom and dad come home, and they say, "Wait a minute, we said no parties." And if, as a teenager, you had answered your parents and said, "But you didn't say no drinking," do you think your parents would accept your answer? Do you think that they would say, "Oh, that's right, we didn't." Okay, off you go. Of course, they wouldn't. They would say. You know our hearts. You know the way we live. You should have known this would be completely unacceptable to us. And somewhere in your heart and mind, you did know that. You simply wanted to have your party. 
So silence does not equal consent. And, and the other argument to be made for uncertainty from the biblical point of view is this. If you saw a, a, a body in the middle of the road on a foggy night, but you couldn't be sure it was a body, and you're driving along in your car, and let's say you're even rushing to the hospital with a family member who has an emergency, um, is it okay for you to roll over that, that thing in the road? No, of course, you have to avoid it because it might be a human being in distress. Maybe you can't stop because of your personal emergency, but at least you have to not do more harm to the person who could be struggling in the middle of the road, right? And the ethical principle there is um, that uncertainty demands caution. Uncertainty doesn't provide license. Well, I didn't know it was a person, and you rolled right over it, I don't think any prosecutor would accept that as an excuse for having killed someone with your vehicle. So we have those principles, first of all, as we try to approach this question that says, is abortion wrong? What does the Bible say? Is it a sin? And I think about the best way that I could um, talk about this with the person who said they were a Christian and that they'd been studying the Bible And they really wanted to know, but they were not persuaded because there is no proof text. The word abortion doesn't appear in the Bible. Well, okay, where do we go for our answer? And I think that, first of all, um, again, if it's plain to you that embryology, the truth of embryology is so, that from conception forward, the zygote is a distinct living and whole human being, all you have to answer is... Well, Exodus 20, verse 13 says, thou shall not kill. And there you have it. It's a, if, if this is a human being, if he or she is a human being, then you may not kill it. It's prohibited. It is sinful. Um, and if, you, you know, if, that, if that is not persuasive enough to you, let's go back to Eve and the serpent in Genesis 3. And what does the serpent say to her? Did God really say that you may not eat of the fruit? What did, what, what did he do with that maneuver? He created doubt, right? And when Eve answers, well, he did say that we could eat of every other tree, but we couldn't eat of that tree and we must not touch it. She actually added to God's words with that, right? Read Genesis 2, 3 through, uh, 3, sorry, read Genesis 2 through Genesis three sixteen. And you'll see that the adversary here is engaged in character assassination against God. Because when she says, we must not touch it, or we will die, the adversary says, you will surely not die. What is he doing? He's calling God a liar. He's calling God a liar. And anyone who denies the basic humanity of prenatal human beings... I think, is setting themselves up as an adversary of the plain truth that children are human beings from the very earliest stages of their lives, and thus they, divide, they, they deserve the full protection that we would give to any other human being in terms of whether or not we can kill them. Spiritual confusion and doubt are the weapons that our enemy likes best. And it's been said before, the devil's not creative. 
God is the creator of all things, but Satan loves to corrupt the good things that God has created. And of course, Jesus has told us that Satan is a murderer from the beginning in John 8, 44. And Satan's tactics with Eve show us how, from the very beginning, we've been tempted to listen to all the wrong voices about what's good and right for our lives, what choices will draw us closer to God or push us further away. Some of the material that I'm covering today is uh, from my book, Cradle My Heart, Finding God's Love After Abortion. And I, I think that this question loomed so large for me because abortion is a spiritual crisis. It's always a matter of life and death. And even abortion proponents, even pro-abortion advocates or abortion rights advocates will admit that a life is lost in abortion. Some will, if they're intellectually honest. They'll simply then tell you, well, a woman's, a grown woman's life is worth more than one not yet born. I don't know what scale you use for that, because as soon as you start doing that, equal rights for all human beings is out the window. There goes social justice. But this question was it a sin? Was it wrong? Was so important to me to find my answer and an answer that can be affirmed in God's word that uh, I wrote a whole chapter in the book about it and about this dynamic. You see, because Satan doesn't care about our future or God's truth. And I really do believe abortion is satanic. And I, I don't think that I'm overstating it. And if you want to uh, dispute that. If you want to tell me that that's unchristian, my email is kim at cradlemyheart.org, and I will engage the conversation with you. I will listen to your evidence and ask you to listen to mine, and we'll see where that conversation lands for us as followers of Jesus Christ and believers in the Bible. But it's, it's my conviction, based on what I read in the Bible, that the devil's objective is to separate us from God and take us as his captives for eternity. And his most effective strategy is this game of doubt, the deadly game of doubt. And if he can inspire us to question God's care for us, he's willing to twist the truth and sow his seeds of doubt, again, engaging in character assassination about God's essential good nature and God's loving heart. He comes to Eve twisting the truth by misquoting God. Did God really say? And Eve took that bait She also changed God's words and his instructions. And so then Satan exploited his distorted picture of God by adding to it the outright lie, you will not surely die. And here's the thing about this. This this interaction between the serpent and Eve tells us why it's so important for us to know Scripture and to study it and to fully understand it and fully incorporate it in our minds and in our worldview, right? Because it becomes so vital in our practical everyday applications and interactions with others. See, abortion rhetoric rejects the truth of what God says about the value of every human life with an outright lie that says it's not a life at all. And really, this person who is contending with me, where in the Bible does it say abortion you know, is the ending of a human life? Where is that stated in the Bible? Was he not saying, it's not a life? Prove to me that it is from God's word. And I challenged him. I said, you know, what is is in your heart? Do you just want to disprove the Bible or do you want to understand it so that you can better live by it? And he said it was the latter, so we proceeded. Um, There's an initiative 
to educate pastors, uh, demonstrating that women aren't the only ones who are deceived when abortion tempts us to play God. Panic over pregnancy can make women and men, other family members and friends, even spiritual leaders, listen to the lie that abortion will give a woman an easy out from a difficult situation. Right? And so by choosing and endorsing abortion, we become vulnerable to another of the enemy's trademark enticements. You will be like God. Many voices repeat this temptation around this topic, okay? And it's included in statements like, you must decide for yourself what's right. Or, you're the one responsible for making good things happen in your life. When I learned of my unplanned pregnancy, I turned to the man who rejected the pregnancy from the onset. And when I mention him, you should know I have forgiven him, and I believe he understands that. I pray that he's a follower of Jesus. I don't know that. I haven't had contact with him for a very long time. And unless God ordains that, I doubt that I ever will. But I want you to know that I'm not speaking, nor was I writing from a place of bitterness or anger toward him. I have forgiven him completely. But he rejected that pregnancy. And at the time, my self-image was so low that I did not fight for a deeper conversation. I did not try to get counsel together with him. I just accepted what he said. I was the most passive little people pleaser you've ever not wanted to meet. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And I think about that and how different I am today and and. I am what I am by the grace of God, and by the grace of God, I'm not who I was. And today, if someone tried to tell me something that uh, I wasn't uncertain, that I was uncertain about, or that felt wrong to me, or that felt like a rejection, I most certainly would stand up for myself. I most certainly would demand more conversations. Uh, Not demand, but I would, you know, at least make an effort toward going deeper on it. But I didn't in that case. And that my two confidants were not in a position to give material help, really. And they offered no alternative to abortion. One tried to assuage my guilt, saying, again, it's not a baby, just tissue. She might as well have said, okay, here it is. She might as well have said, you determine when life begins, Kim. And if that is not playing God, I don't know (laughs) how else we could better describe it. Another one said to me, wow, this is, you know, it's up to you. I I stand by you either way. So she also was granting me permission to be like God. Were they not? Neither one held up any objective standard to me that said, you know, this is wrong. There's another life at stake here. There is got to be a better way. I will help you explore. We will find some way out of this for you. This child exists already and is precious. No, none of those statements were made. I was told, you decide. And, and again, when there's another human life involved, this is, this is most certainly playing God. Uh, I embrace those lies because they helped me solve my problem, and I was ignorant, as I said. You know, and so listening to the serpent meant that Adam and Eve didn't stay true to God, their father. And after they consorted with the father of lies, they hid. And God arrived asking, where are you? What have you done? (laughs) You know, and I chose abortion without ever listening to the truth that I surely knew all along somewhere within my heart. And that truth was this. I was already a mother. And I was choosing to do away with an innocent life. 
I was only able to face having believed this part of the lie many, many, many years later, once I already knew Jesus, knew that he had never stopped loving me. He just didn't love what I'd done. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the stranger, the serpent deceived me, and I ate, she said. Abortion may have deceived an entire generation, but one by one, we swallowed the lie. And in the aftermath, we can choose to remain apart from God, hiding and clinging to our naked shame, or we can choose to listen to Jesus Christ. He dispels our doubts. When the serpent tested him in the wilderness, Three times Jesus answered, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus battled lies and spiritual doubts with the truth of God's word. And that's our template. That's our answer. That's how we can emerge victorious, even when our doubts threaten to overwhelm us. You know, God knows that we're times faced with gut-wrenching, irrevocable decisions. So he gave us instructions how to choose in a life or death decision. In Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20, in essence, he said that we are without excuse on the matter because his commands are known to us. His desires are embedded in us, in our hearts, by his design. We are hardwired to choose life rather than abortion when we're given all the facts. For example, the New England Journal of Medicine reports women considering abortion feel loyalty and perhaps more likely to choose life if given the chance to see an ultrasound image of the developing child. Even women that have been given a fetal model that represents the stage of development of their growing uh, child in the womb, right? Maybe you've seen these fetal models. If you haven't, I urge you to go and tour your local pregnancy resource center and Maybe you want to volunteer. Maybe you want to take up the fight (laughs) by helping women have their babies and standing with them and equipping them. Uh, But if you've never, these fetal models, you know, in the case, my pregnancy was, I was 12 weeks along. The little fetal model took up about three-fourths of my palm and most certainly had a face and hands and feet. Most certainly was human. Most certainly was a life worth protecting in God's sight. But even having that little model that you can put in your hand is not as compelling to women as seeing on a screen the heartbeat of their own child. And loyalty is engendered almost immediately. You know, but even so, we tell ourselves, God cannot possibly have meant this difficult instruction to choose life for me in the midst of my impossible circumstances. Listen to God anticipating our objections to his objectives. <laughs> this is from Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. To choose life over death is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. Choosing to take a life through abortion thus becomes much more than an expression of preference, a choice, exercise of free will, practical wisdom, uh, empowerment. All of the talking points are gone. The choice to listen to God's voice and choose life becomes a moral act. 
Will we listen to what God has said, or will we give in to the temptation to believe a lie or dismiss a difficult truth and try to be like God? When God explicitly commands what we are to choose, our choices reveal whether or not we agree God has the right to tell us how we are to choose. Will we give him our respect and the kind regard he says he wants from us? Will we love him enough to listen? God promises to bless us for our love and worship of him. And he quickly warns that he will, that we, that is, he warns us that we will destroy ourselves as a consequence of failing to be true to him. When we choose to listen with our hearts, we hear God explicitly instruct us, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen through 20. The other really compelling bit of scripture for me is simply the verse in Leviticus that says, life is in the blood, Leviticus seventeen eleven. Every abortion sheds a child's innocent blood, and every child has his or her own blood uh, with separate DNA from his or her mother. And this blood is present as the life force of each child from the very beginning, at least the building blocks are, and the blood itself, uh, embryologists tell us, may be there as early as 20 days following conception. For all created beings, life is in the blood. Yes, abortion is wrong. Yes, it is a sin. And again, you can contact me, Kim, at cradlemyheart.org, and I'll send you a copy of the book where you can read about it more fully. I'll equip you with everything that you will need to answer this question in a way that comes down on the side of protecting innocent life. I thank you for listening, and I pray you will make the right decision because you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, may be the only one standing between the life and death of an innocent child. I pray that you choose well, and if you've had an abortion again, Visit cradlemyheart.org for many, many resources to help you in the recovery, in the repentance, and the reformation of your heart and soul. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola, preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.